Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for a Monday and a not-victorious Monday Let's Ride podcast as a part of your Behind the Steel Curtain podcast platform. You can hear Let's Ride every Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning. It is your Steelers fix. We are all junkies, and this Monday show always airs at 9 a.m., we want to let the post-game show, everyone on that Monday commute, listen to the post-game show, and then at 9 a.m. is when my Winners and Losers podcast always comes out. Now, next week's a little different. We'll talk about that later in the week with the Steelers playing on Monday Night Football in Week 17. But before we get to Week 17, we have to diagnose Week 16. Yes, the 36-10 to whooping uh, by the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I'll be, I'm going to be honest, there's not many winners on the winners list, we'll put it that way, in the second half of this podcast, but there is a lot to talk about, a lot to talk about. Before we get to all that, I want to make sure you uh, check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it's latest breaking news, film rooms, commentary features, you name it, one spot, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And also, in case you're listening to this podcast, whether it's on Twitter or uh, on one of our social media channels, or on the website itself. All you have to do is go to wherever you listen to your podcast, search Steelers, or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow whatever you have to do, so that you don't miss a thing. That's my Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, Let's Ride. That's the Stat Geek with Dave Schofield on Thursday, the live mic with Michael Beck on Tuesday, our whole noon lineup, and our PM shows. You don't want to miss it. So make sure you subscribe or follow whatever your platform requires. All right, let's get down to it. So I have an option now. You know, this is a, the Christmas holiday. Is it Merry Christmas, everyone? A little belated Merry Christmas. We last spoke on Friday when we were actually hopeful. Uh, but still, uh, with the Christmas holiday, everyone knows that my other job, I'm, a, I'm an educator, and so I have the whole week off, which gives me the flexibility of when I do and record this Let's Ride podcast. I could either do it after the game, or I could kind of let things simmer and let them marinate a little bit, and then I could do it in the morning and then run it right away. And I thought about it, you know what? I could I could easily just walk away from this game. I could just say, you know what? I'm going to finish my work that I have to do for tomorrow morning. I'm going to go to the gym in the morning like I always do. I'm going to come back home, and then I can record. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized I, I don't want to do that. There's too much on my mind right now. Remember, folks, I've said this before. I'll say it again, that this job, this podcast, this platform is very therapeutic for me. And there are times when it's better for me to just get it out. It's better for me to get it out than it is to let it sit and let it kind of fester. So I decided let's just do this podcast. So I'm recording this after the game. It is Sunday night here in the Mid-Atlantic. And I'll be honest, you know, the four, four, this game started at 425. And my family and I, because now that gives me the most of the majority of the day to do something. And my family, my goodness, my kids are still really geeked up after the holiday and everything. I just said, let's go do something active. We decided we live near the Antietam battlefield. If you're a Civil War buff, you know that that was the bloodiest battle of the Civil War. And I got to be honest, when we went down there, I was reading a lot of those plaques that they have out. I found more that, that reading those plaques about the Civil War at Antietam Battlefield in, in Sharpsburg, Maryland, was more entertaining than this football game was. That, and that's the honest to, tr- honest to goodness truth. I can honestly say that after the first in the first quarter, the Steelers don't that they get the football to start the game. They get a first down, beautiful catch by Deontay Johnson. 
They punt the ball away eventually. Patrick Mahomes takes him right down the field and scores. I immediately thought to myself, didn't say it out loud, didn't put it on Twitter. I don't know about this game. Just don't know if they have it. Just don't know if they have it. And it, it comes down to that Mahomes and company were not willing to give the game back to the Steelers. Think about what the Titans did last week. They gave the game back to the Steelers. But you know what? There was more to it than this. I said this on the post-game show, and I'm going to say it here. I'm going to kind of expand on my thoughts. If you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you know that if anything, I am a Mike Tomlin defender. Some would even go as far as saying that I'm a Mike Tomlin apologist, and I'm that's fine. I'm fine with that label, 100%. I like Mike Tomlin. But I'm going to be completely honest with you, the listener, right now. And I need to be honest with myself right now. Little accountability time. I am starting to sour on this coaching staff. And I say coaching staff from the top to the bottom. I'm starting to sour on Mike Tomlin as head coach. And something that Dave Schofield said, I kind of agree with. He said this on the postgame show. Or maybe he said it after we went off the air. I'm not sure. That we might not, we might not disagree with what Mike Tomlin does, but boy, does that guy struggle picking coordinators. And think about some of the things that have happened throughout his tenure. Now, offensively, there's been a lot of turnover. He was fortunate enough to have Dick LeBeau on staff when he was hired in 2007. And then Keith Butler comes on, and they seem to not miss a beat. But now, some of the decisions that are being made, some of the acquisitions that are happening, some of the coaching additions and firings that are happening, boy, do they make you think twice. Now, maybe this isn't all on Mike Tomlin. Maybe this goes all the way upstairs. And when I say all the upstairs, I'm talking about Art Rooney II. I'm not sure. They don't make that stuff public. They don't say who is the ultimate say and big-time decisions and big-time acquisitions or coaches that are hired or coaches that are fired. They don't tell us that, the fans. But from the coaching staff, from Mike Tomlin to the coordinators, Keith Butler, it almost seems as like, I mean, you think about the defense. I mean, think about the first and second-round draft picks on that unit. Cam Hayward, first-round pick. T.J. Watt, first-round pick. Minka Fitzpatrick, first-round pick. Terrell Edmonds, first-round pick. Joe Hayden, first-round pick. Stephon Tuitt, second-round pick. Devin Bush, first-round pick. You know, I I could go on. Alex Highsmith is a third-round pick. You get my drift, right? So now, all of a sudden, you and Tyson Tyson Alualu, who's not even in, he's a first-round pick. Not by the Steelers, he's a first-round pick. So Alualu's out. Tuitt's out. Bush, out. Hayden was gone for a long time with an injury. And now it kind of looks like, wow, Keith Butler is having to kind of scheme stuff up. What are we seeing? What are we seeing? Where's the coach that, hey, you just give me guys that have some potential and I'll find a way. You might argue that there's not much potential and you have every, you, you would have a good case in that argument. I'll put it that way. But I think Keith Butler, you're kind of seeing, like, is he that good of a coordinator, or do they just have that much talent because they've spent so much in terms of draft capital on the defensive side of the football? Flip the script. Let's go to Matt Canada. Everyone talks about Matt Canada's creativity. Everyone talks about how Matt Canada revolutionized things in the college game. Everyone talked about how Matt Canada would be a breath of fresh air. I think he's tried some stuff. But you're also realizing that Matt Canada might not might, might not realize how to call plays at the NFL level. He might not realize that some of the stuff he loved to do in college that works so well, yeah, it doesn't work in the NFL. B. 
because the best of the best in college go on to play in the NFL. So when you're talking about whether he was the coordinator at Pitt or whether he was at LSU for a stint or whether he was with the University of Maryland, it doesn't matter where he was. All those plays that used to work when it was Maryland versus Temple don't work when it's Steelers versus Chiefs, i.e. fourth and one, let's run a pitch sweep to Najee Harris. It just doesn't work. And so now you have fans like myself who I am a very optimistic fan. I'm more than willing to give players and coaches the benefit of the doubt and to let them prove themselves. Now, all of a sudden, I find myself saying, does this guy even, is he even capable? Is he even capable? Now, I'm going to be honest. So I'm being honest here in this segment. I'm souring on the coaching staff. I'm also realistic with the Steelers organization. So are they going to fire Mike Tomlin? No, they're not going to fire Mike Tomlin. Are they going to fire the coordinators? Ask me two weeks ago, and I'd say there's no way they fired Matt Canada, especially if this is Ben Roethlisberger's last ride. They're going to want to give him an opportunity to get his quarterback, to get his system in place, and then we'll get to see what Matt Canada can do. I'm not so sure anymore. I'm not so sure. There's a part of me that thinks the Steelers might say, you know what? So we tried this Matt Canada thing for a year. Didn't work out. Before we go too far down that road, and i.e. meaning we draft a specific quarterback or we bring in a free agent quarterback that maybe we think fits his system. If his system doesn't work here, we don't want to go too far down that road because now we're going to be screwed in the long term. So the short term, the one year, maybe that, okay, that was bad. It was, the offense was bad. No one with two eyes in their skull that can listen or hear or watch a game, they know it was bad. But if we cut ties with him now, bring in someone else, someone that has a proven track record that can call plays, we can build that system that they want. Hopefully that system is one that, We don't have to overhaul a lot of things, meaning offensive linemen, go out in free agency, add a few pieces, and see if we can somehow, some way, put something together that is a good, solid product that can win a lot of football games. Easier said than done, I know. But I could see them them getting rid of Matt Canada. I could also see them getting rid of Keith Butler. Keith Butler's contract is up at the end of this season, and I think that there's been so much bad on the defensive side of the ball with a run defense Injuries have been a problem, which is not his fault, but still, it again, it exposes people. It exposes people that maybe they could see. I could see both coordinators. Think about that. If you fire both coordinators this offseason, and I, got, I, I wouldn't be shocked, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they stay. If you get rid of both coordinators this offseason, that means that this season is the season that Tomlin has to prove it. And if not, you get rid of the coordinators and you're still having issues, there's only one other person to blame, and it's not the guy that signs your checks. I'll put it that way. But the players on the roster are another topic altogether. The roster itself, you know, everyone lauded Kevin Colbert after the 2021 draft and said, look at this draft class. They're going to have two, three. Now they had four rookies. When you talk about Dan Moore, Kendra Green, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, all starting. What a draft class. What a group. And we were all pumped. We all said, this is great. Kevin Colbert's the best. This is why. Then you start to realize these players, and two out of the four that I just named, Dan Moore, Kendra Green, They didn't win those jobs, people. They didn't. 
They were given those jobs based on necessity. The Steelers' roster in depth was so bad, they didn't have any center proven or good enough to actually beat Kendrick Green. The Steelers said, we might as well get the rookie experience rather than throwing J.C. Hassenauer or B.J. Finney out there. Left tackle was supposed to be Chooks for Right tackle was supposed to be Zach Banner. Zach Banner hasn't played any snap as a tackle outside of the tackle eligible where he can come in and block like he used to in 2019 when Duck Hodges was the quarterback. No, Dan Moore's playing because there's no one else there. And again, you might as well get the rookie experience. You might as well see what you have. And that way you can maybe maybe get a player that can develop into maybe like a Marcus Gilbert type. Marcus Gilbert struggled his first year. They thought he could be a left tackle, turned out to be a really great right tackle. I'm not saying that's Dan Moore's journey, but I guarantee you that's the thought process now. Why put Joe Haig out there at left tackle when he's not going to be that much better and he's probably going to be gone after this year, so you might as well get Dan Moore some experience. But so you look at those two. Fryermuth and Najee Harris are different breeds. They deserve to be there. They are the best at their position, and that includes when the Eric Ebron was healthy, by the way. But then you go on the defensive side, and now you have Trey Norwood. Isaiah Loudermilk gets a start, and you're thinking, oh, wow, now we're up to like six rookies that are starting. Folks, this is a, this is a damning statement of the roster, not so much a really a great fist-pumping moment for the rookies. It's great that they're getting experience, but for this 2021 roster, goodness gracious, that is awful. Teams should have one to two rookies that play because they're that good and they can help the roster, and the rest are getting experience. They're playing special teams. I think back at 2003, that team was awful. Troy Palomalu, first-round pick, didn't really play much. Played majority special teams, and then he was able to come back in 2004, and that's when he started to really turn it on. Nonetheless, these rookies are getting valuable experience, and I don't want to take that away from them, but ultimately it's also an extremely damning statement about the roster and the lack of depth that they have. Talk about the salary cap all you want, but guess what? The salary cap went down for every single team in the NFL. It wasn't as if the NFL said, Steelers, we are slapping this punishment on you. Your salary cap is going to go down to $183 million while everyone else is going to stay at two hundred. dollars No, it never didn't happen that way. The Steelers put themselves, they dug themselves this hole. They made their bed, now they have to lay in it. And it's bad. It's bad. I think we're all seeing it's bad. People on Twitter are hitting me up and saying, Jeff, where's the change on the offensive line? And I say the same thing. What change do you want? You want, okay, Zach Banner, A, he's not eligible. He's on the reserve COVID list. But also, number two, is he going to be that much better? I mean, Kevin Dotson coming back will help. Trust me, that'll help. But other than that, like, what are we talking about? We're, ta- we're talking about players that are literally almost the exact same. So you want to put J.C. Hasnauer in for Kendrick Green. Not going to change much. Really isn't. What else do you need to see from Hasnauer? Might as well let Green ride it out. There's two games left. So they're, they're between a rock and a hard spot. A rock and a hard place, to say it correctly. But, you know, there's bri- are there bright spots? <laughs> I kind of laugh at myself for asking that question. No, right now there's no bright spots, which leads me to winners and losers in the second half. Guess what? Guess how many winners there are? Zero. Zero. None. Zip. Nilch. Nada. No winners. 
eight. You count them, eight losers. And I'm going to talk about them all right after this break. We'll be right back. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, here in the second part of this Monday show, where anytime we do a post-game podcast uh, where you hear my Let's Ride the day after a game, I do my winners and losers in the second segment. Always do that. And this is the first time. I tease this at the very end of the first segment. The first time, no winners, zero. Here's what I had to say about that. And for the first time since I've been, I've been doing this podcast, this article, this column, whatever you want to say, I couldn't find anyone, no one, to put on the winner's list. Not a coach, not a player, not a position group, no one. So, you know, the thing is, like, I brought this up on the post-game show. I asked Brian Anthony Davis, I asked Dave Schofield the same, who would be a winner? Brian's like, uh, Chase Claypool had a couple nice catches. I was like, okay, but is that, a, is that truly a winner? I don't think so. Not me personally. And he's like, uh, I can't really think of anyone. Cam Hayward, he said he had a sack. Really? I'm just going to put a guy on the winner's list because he had one sack? The defense gave up 36 points. Yeah, they got screwed with some turnovers. I'm going to get to that in a second. And so then Dave Schofield said, well, go Carlos Waitman, the punter that stepped in for Presley Harvin. I said, you want me to put a punter on the list? He said, well, yeah, yeah, he was on a practice squad and hadn't practiced with the Steelers since last year. I'm sorry. I'm not putting a punter on the winner's list. I will put no one before I put a punter that didn't do anything spectacular except show up on short notice and punt the ball. The only thing, only the closest thing that I came to a winner in this game was CBS. Yes. The, the television station. Why? Because they went away from the Steelers game. It was so bad that this was a national game, folks. That means unless you lived in the Denver or Las Vegas area, you were getting the Steelers and Chiefs. The game was so bad, so one-sided, so lopsided, so dominated by the Chiefs that they said we would rather go to the Raiders game. And the Raiders had just made a play, and they kneeled out three plays to win the game, to ice out the victory for the Raiders, to beat the Broncos, and they stayed there, and they showed you every single kneel down. They showed you the coaches shaking hands. They showed you everything until they physically could not stay there any longer. They didn't want to throw it back to New York for the rest of the game, and then they went back to Kansas City. So the reason they went back to the game, if they would have, I would have rather listened to Coach Cower in New York City talk about how crappy the Steelers are than I would watching that game. But they went back. And so because they went back, CBS is not on the winner's list. There's none. No winners. Let's get to the losers. I kind of talked about this in the first half. Of the first loser is the coaching staff. And, again, I used to coach. And I'm normally the guy that sits here and says that the, the players have to execute. And they do. At the same time, ineptitude abounds with this coaching staff. Whether it's defensively trying to find something that works when you're missing key pieces, whether it's on offense, the fact that they just cannot 
get out of their own way early, and they just seem like they are incapable of putting a plan in place that is fresh, that is different, that is unique, that will actually attack the defense instead of just trying to take what the defense gives them. It's awful. It starts at the top, it starts at Mike Tomlin, and it trickles all the way down to the position coaches. This coaching staff is a giant loser, and it's not just from this week. It's been almost for the entire season, but for this week in particular, this coaching staff is on the loser list. Next loser is the offensive line. Don't let the stats fool you, folks. Do not let the statistics fool you. And what I mean by that is you look at the total yards rushing, and you're like, wow, that's not bad. The Steelers rushed for 130 yards. That's not 25 attempts. They averaged 5.2 yards per game. That's really good. Okay. All right. Let's calm down a little bit. They only gave up two sacks to Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. That's not bad either. And then you look at some of the deeper stats. Look, folks, if you watch the game, Roethlisberger had no time. No time. The fumble that he lost was he had a, it was a double reverse and he didn't even have time to complete the second fake. It was a double fake it was a double fake, I guess I'll put it that way. This offensive line in the first half could not open a hole for Najee Harris to save their lives. It wasn't until the second half and this happens so much with this team. These comebacks that come in the second half, it's almost as if the, the opposing defense is kind of easing off a little bit. They're taking their foot off the gas a little bit. And so then the Steelers get all these yards and they get all these, you know, pump them up like, okay, Najee Harris finishes 19 carries for 93 yards. And that's a good stat line, but he was absolutely stymied in the first half. Nowhere to run, nowhere to go. The Steelers offensive line is a gigantic issue. You want to know what's wrong with the offense? Start up front. It's the offensive line across the board. And like I said, in the first half of this podcast, There's no easy fix, not during this season at all. Next loser is turnovers. Steelers finished minus three in turnover differential, and that is quite the change from where they had been. The previous two games, they had one turnover and six takeaways. In this game, minus three in the turnovers. They gave it away three times and did not get a turnover on defense, so no takeaways. You're just not going to win games with a minus three turnover differential. Think back to last week. They needed every single one of those four turnovers by the Tennessee Titans to win. When you're playing an upper echelon team, you have to have those plays. They didn't have those plays, and that's why they lost the game. There's more reasons, but that's one of them. Next, tackling. Tackling. This is not the first time the Steelers' tackling has been on the loser list. And the stat line was ask Terrell Edmonds. And that was based off of the, I think it was the Nico Hardman uh, touchdown where, I mean, this, this seems like middle school football 101. Use the sideline as a defender, force the player out of bounds, live to play another play. What does Edmonds do? He lunges at the player. Uh, the Chiefs player, I believe it was Hardman, makes a miss, gets into the end zone, touchdown but that wasn't the worst play the worst play for me was on the first Chiefs drive Clyde Edwards Hilaire is running this is a first and goal situation he's running between the tackles Highsmith but really it was Robert Spillane read the play beautifully they penetrate it looks like they have him stopped for a three-yard loss Robert Spillane comes in with his shoulder very similar to the way he did with Derrick Henry in 2020 
Edwards Hilaire bounces off. Then no one wraps up, walks into the end zone for a touchdown. And that's kind of typifies what the Steelers tackling was like uh, in this game. Tackling was on the loser list. Next, the Steelers pass rush. I said it in my podcast on Friday. You can't blitz Patrick Mahomes a lot. He just does such a good job of finding ways to manipulate the pass rush, finding ways to create time for himself. But my goodness, you you don't want to send the house, but you also can't just sit back on your laurels and do nothing. The Steelers finished with two sacks, three quarterback hits, but there was a play where Patrick Mahomes had almost seven seconds to throw the ball. Seven seconds to throw the ball. We have seen, and, and credit to the Chiefs' offensive line, they're a much better unit than they get credit for. We've seen the Steelers' offensive line get abused by a three-man rush. If the Steelers only rush three, and by the way, T.J. Watt, you could tell, was not healthy. He's probably not going to be healthy for the rest of the season. Reportedly has cracked ribs. Mike Tomlin said he's dealing with a minor injury that wasn't going to inhibit, like, hurt him on the field. Steelers could get in trouble for that, I, but that's neither here nor there. Still, the pass rush was not there. It was non-existent, and Patrick Mahomes, if you don't get to him and you don't rattle him a little bit and you don't force him off his spot, he's going to eat you alive, and that's exactly what he did on Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium. For the second straight week, another loser is the time of possession. The Steelers possessed the football for 25 minutes and 18 seconds to the Kansas City Chiefs' 34 minutes and 42 seconds. For the second straight week, like I just said, the Steelers cannot possess the football. And on two occasions, they had one-play drives. The defense gets the ball back in one way or another, and the offense has one play and then gives it right back, and now the defense is back on the field. So it's really difficult for me to always blame the defense. They weren't good by any stretch of the imagination, but it's difficult for me to always blame the defense when the offense can't even sustain a drive. The offense can't even get out of their own way. And so because of that, time of possession is always skewed to the opponent, and that's why it's on the loser list. We have two to go. The next one is the third down offense. Again, I always look for 500. Give me 500 or better, and I'll be happy. And they just can't get it done. Five for 13 on third downs. Just these conversion downs, as Mike Tomlin calls them. You have to win the conversion downs, the conversion plays in those areas. The Steelers just can't do it. that's That's what we're getting down to here, folks. There's two games left. And there's certain things they're just not going to be able to do. They're not going to be able to stop teams to under 100 yards rushing. It's just not going to happen. It's it's this is not this team. I mean, the, even the Chiefs, who didn't even have to run the ball that much, rushed for 127 in this game. The Steelers' defense this year is not going to actually stop anyone for under 100. It's just not going to happen. I'm at the complete conclusion now that the third down offense is not going to be good enough to get above that 500. I would be shocked, stunned. I mean, my mouth would be agape if they actually were able to get that 500 mark. I just don't think it's going to happen. The last loser, and it's weird that this is a loser, but it'll make sense, is hope. And the stat line is, is that they're not out of it yet, and that's a bad thing. The Steelers went up against, most would say, the number one seed in the AFC, the the creme de la creme of the AFC in the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 16. And we we all saw how that played out. 
So if you're looking for that line of demarcation of good teams and bad teams, we know which side of the docket the Steelers fall on as of right now. I still want them to make the playoffs. I still hope they make the playoffs. But at the same time, if they do get into the playoffs, should any of us expect this team to make noise? I mean, you would have to have a performance like they had in Week 15. I'll put it that way. You would have to have a performance where they are taking the ball away at a ridiculous clip and that the offense is taking advantage of those extra possessions and the short fields and putting points on the board, points off of turnovers. That is the only way, in my opinion, the only way if the Steelers are going to ever win and get into the playoffs and win in the playoffs, that's how they're going to have to do it. Because when they played Patrick Mahomes, we're talking an elite-level quarterback with elite-level talent, didn't even have Travis Kelsey, mind you. Think about what that would have looked like. Try not I don't, try not to do that too long because that will be depressing. You would need them to completely collapse and not turn the ball over because when they don't, the Steelers just aren't good enough. They're not deep enough. They're not talented enough in certain areas, and, the, and mainly in the trenches. Just bad. So there you have it, folks, the eight losers. I'll read them to you again, not that you want to hear them again. That would be uh, the coaching staff, the offensive line, turnovers, tackling, the pass rush, time of possession, third down offense, and hope. And on offense, or the winners, I'm sorry, none. (laughs) I'll put it that way, none, absolutely none. So all right, with that being said, I I hope this doesn't depress you too much. I'm just trying to call a spade a spade. You know, I all, I'm always the rose-colored glasses guy. And my dad and my brother will always tell me, why don't you take your black and gold glasses off and look at things differently? I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to be honest here. Trying to be honest. It's tough. It's tough sometimes. So here's what's coming up. On Wednesday, I'll be back with another uh, podcast. Make sure you look out for my mailbag question, which will come on Twitter Tuesday. So wherever you follow me on Twitter at J Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T, look for the Shooter McGavin GIF and for me to say, hey, let me have some questions and I'll answer those on the Wednesday podcast. Friday, I'll have to figure out if I'll have blue check back on Friday or if we're going to hold it till Monday. We'll see. I'll let you know for sure on Wednesday how we're going to handle that. But I'll be back on Friday and then also on Monday to get you ready for Monday Night Football and then expect another Tuesday, we did this last time they played on Monday night, a little special winners and losers Tuesday podcast. So make sure you're looking out for that. I actually enjoyed this show. The game sucked, but I actually enjoyed the show. This was good. This was therapeutic. Like I said, hopefully it was therapeutic for you too. You can always hit me up on Twitter if you want to extend the conversation. Again, it's at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Make sure you go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers and wherever you get your podcasts or Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you do not miss a thing. As I always finish out my podcast here, folks, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a good day. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers.